Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining Bill and I for another Soul Talk. I've got good news. Some of you have been asking if Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith will be available on audiobook. And it is. It's available now. So I hope that you will enjoy that or even share it with friends. Some people prefer listening. One of the things we've enjoyed with audiobooks, Bill, sometimes is listening in long car trips. So holidays coming up. If you're taking any car trips, it's fun to listen together and then push pause and talk about it. Push rewind. Wait, I want to listen to that again. So um, that's a fun thing. Or even while wrapping gifts this Christmas things, it, it's sometimes it's fun to to listen to things on an audiobook. Some of us are audio learners and we learn better through audio versus Some people reading. do both. They, they yeah. like the written book to underline mm-hmm. and highlight and then they like yeah. the audio to process it that way. So yeah. you can get that on Amazon. I think wherever books are sold, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith on audiobook. Yeah, and I know right now it's it's on sale for half price. I don't know how long that'll last, but that's another reason sometimes people don't want to commit to the full price of the book. And so they get the audiobook and then they could decide after that if they want it in print. But this digital age, it's nice to have these different options. Of course, it's also available in Kindle and other ebook versions as well. So, uh, Christy, l- last week we talked about your your journey, continuing journey of grief with your mom's death and how uh, the Lord has helped you and your process of training and the things that we, we teach in soul shepherding really over many years but in particular this last these last two years as you've been journeying with your mom's cancer and so forth and um how you were able to stay out of repressing your emotions but in inconvenient times or times where you were needed to be loving or helpful or to do your work you were able to contain your emotions. Now that's different than repression. And then doing the work of grief, as you illustrated to us, of being emotionally honest and in certain times uh, processing even for uh, a significant length of time, 30 minutes or more, asking for empathy or or journaling a prayer and how this back and forth, because that's what grief is, right? It comes in Mm -hmm. waves. It's unpredictable when it's going to come. And so you've learned to trust your emotions not like emotions are the full total reality of everything that's going on and so just let your emotions control you that's not what i mean but you've learned to trust your emotions uh, well like we write about in the book is like an emotional alarm or an indicator light on the dashboard of the car you're, you're trusting your emotions as a source of information yes not that it's the total information but that it's um, likely important information and it can that it's serve me well it can serve you well and there's a need in underneath or in part of the emotions there's there's a need for care mm-hmm. and so because you've been receiving the care that you need uh, along the way that's helped you to maintain strength and uh, clarity and uh, purposefulness in your work and in all your relationships in life Yes, and instead of fearing my emotions, being bullied by my emotions, trying to avoid or numb or medicate my emotions in order to manage them, I've been able to recognize that, okay, this here's an emotion. 
I can name it. I can get curious about it. Where's this coming from? Why is this here? What am I feeling? And I can let myself feel it knowing if I let myself feel it and understand it and bring it into the light of my relationship with God or ambassadors of him and receive care, that, that it'll pass. It's not gonna it's not gonna control me. It's not gonna damage me or anybody else. And so I don't need to be afraid of it. I can befriend it. Yeah, I think what you mean is the intensity of the emotion or the, the, the pain or the sense of it overwhelming you will diminish uh, in a way and so in that sense, it passes. But in another sense, it's maybe opposite of that. And I think the emotion gets integrated into your personality it, it beca- because the, those emotions are, are cared for. And so they are sort of like absorbed into your identity. And that was the thing I really wanted to come back to uh, for the sake of you who are listening, as you've been hearing Christy's story last week and then now as we're continuing is that Christy, you, through this process, uh, is quite commendable. I really admire how you've grown in like your, your identity and your boundaries because as an Enneagram 2 a helper, a compassionate uh, person who is very tuned into other people's emotions and uh, quick to be caring and helpful, uh, in wonderful ways, but also ways that extend you and potentially tire you. There, there's a challenge for all of us, not just Enneagram twos, but all of us who are in the, the ministry of caring for others, shepherding others, whether it's family, people in the church, uh, mission work, uh, the ministry of a spiritual director, a coach, a counselor, uh, a pastor. I mean, so many of us are in these, so many of you who are listening are in these uh, positions of caring for others in ways that are very extensive and a really important part of your life. A lot of time goes into caring for other people, and it's a fine line where we can really fall into patterns of being like uh, enabling, rescuing, codependent, uh, getting consumed with the emotions and needs of other people. And in your history, you've struggled with that, Christy, and yet uh, increasingly over time as you've been practicing the things that we teach in soul shepherding, that's less and less true for you. You're, you're better able to be balanced and uh, to care for yourself even as you care for others. And I just think that that really stood out to me as I was listening to you on last week's podcast. It really stood out to me uh, as another example of how much you've grown in what uh, we would call like your individuation or self-differentiation or boundaries that you have a much uh, more clear, stable, grounded sense of self and sense of identity that enables you to be even more loving to other people. And of course, this is something we learned from studies on emotional intelligence in which we talk about in our new book, but is the power of uh, emotional honesty and receiving empathy and how that then in turn helps us to grow in our ability to have healthy empathy for others and to really love other people well and do good work and lead effectively. And so I just feel like all that is like on display in you in this current uh, journey with your mom's passing and your, your grief about that. Well, thank you, Bill. It has been helpful for me to learn this because before I didn't, I didn't know that I could have emotions and have needs and still be loved, wanted and cared for. 
I thought I had to just be giving the care to other people in order to be loved and wanted. Okay, could you just like say that again slower? That was like really important. Yeah. As an Enneagram 2, with my core need of wanting to be wanted, but my core fear that I wasn't wanted, mm-hmm. um, I used to think that I couldn't have needs and couldn't have emotions and be wanted. I used to think in order to be wanted, I had to care for everybody else's needs and emotions and repress my own. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you, because I think many of you who are listening are like nodding your head right now or or crying or like going, oh, that's exactly what I feel. Because so many of us are, are shepherds, helpers, like I was saying, and that is the struggle, isn't it? It is. We lose ourselves. Mm-hmm in caring for others mm-hmm. sometimes if, if we're not careful right. and we get appreciation and value mm-hmm. when we give to help others so that gets reinforced so it potentially becomes our identity but and we train people to treat us that way mm-hmm. we train people to expect us not to have needs but to be there for their needs and that be, that then becomes a, a false self an mm-hmm. inferior identity right. which is what all nine enneagram yes. types are is they're they're really yes. false selves that are uh, in reactions to, mm-hmm. to sin and to pain and distress, mm-hmm. and but we don't realize it's unconscious. Right, and so what I used to have to do before I understood all of this, before I learned the Enneagram and went on this journey, was I used to deny my needs and my emotions, mm-hmm. but then they would control me and erupt in hurtful ways to me, to you, to, to other people, and, and it would catch me by surprise, it would shock me. And so I felt like my emotions were in control. And which then reinforces the pattern that emotions are bad and I exactly. shouldn't have them. Yes, which and is, to feel f- fearful and bullied by them. Which was and already... And reject myself for having them. Which is repeating the experience you had as a child where it wasn't, as the youngest child, and it wasn't okay to be sensitive and be emotional. And so then that gets on the inside and then now that's how you're relating to yourself and uh, rejecting your own self. Yeah, because we treat ourselves the way we were treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call that a internalized parent, or a psychological term is, a, is an introject. We all have introjects from early in life, and our our parents, our family, people who cared for us, maybe teachers, but messages or facial expressions that got inside of us, and then now we treat ourselves the way we were treated, which then further replicates that that pat or, or perpetuates that pattern being replicated in our other relationships. And we project that into other relationships. So I projected my experience growing up onto you when I got married to you, expecting that you would think and feel and react and treat me the same way that I had been treated. Well, and of course I had some of that in me. I wanted to be more... Uh, more patient and more gracious, but there was a side of me that was very much uh, in my head or too busy or because I wasn't very aware of my emotions at that point in time and not comfortable with my emotions. It limited my ability to be available to your emotions. Yes, there were enough times that that was true that it reinforced my perceptions and then it kept the cycle going. Yeah, so it's hard to get out of those cycles. We, we, we spin in that and so much of it is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And yet um, what, you've, what you've learned about yourself and 
the ways that you have integrated this into your discipleship to Jesus, you've really grown in your self-identity, your ability to uh, have a reference point, a, a, a place on the ground to stand that is like a stance, a position that's separate from the person who's hurting that you're helping. So you're able to listen, join, care, uh, be supportive, but then you're also able to have some separateness there, some ability to stand within your own self-identity. Yeah, well, that's been a learning for me because my tendency is to amash. And when we get amashed, then we, we lose our differentiation. And it really actually disrupts our ability to obey Jesus's command to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. because we get so amassed. We, we get amassed with caring for the other person and taking over responsibility there and rejecting our own needs. And then we react to finally our needs that we can't handle anymore that need some attention. And then it, it, we act out in ways that are unhealthy and can be damaging. And this is something that Thankfully, I've been growing a lot in, and that you're you're talking about that you've been noticing, but um, you've seen a lot of growth for me over the years of in my relationship with my mom, where I was overmashed, and then where I I learned healthy differentiation, and you now you've been seeing the fruit of that in some times of intensity, but then it it wasn't that long ago that I recognized I had an emotional reaction out of enmeshment with our work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still in process too. I've yeah. grown tremendously and I'm so thankful and I've expressed such freedom and peace and health, but I wouldn't want our, our listeners to like think, Oh, Christy's like all done growing and like, uh. she's all ideal because we continue to have new opportunities to grow. And so I, that caught me by surprise when I had that reaction and I was like, why did I react that way? And then I realized, Oh my goodness, I am too enmeshed with soul shepherding right here. Mm-hmm. I need to have some boundaries here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, then with your mom and the, the grief journey, the example of taking a break when you were with her all day, every day there, and your ability to have a boundary and take a break and ask the caregiver to, caregiver to step in there. Or my sisters, because we, we took turns. Right, too. with both my your sisters, sisters you've tag teamed, and yeah. they, they've been so wonderfully yeah. involved and supportive and helpful. And uh, so, but that ability to recognize your own limits, your own needs, to ask for what you need, that's been really important for you. And so I'm just really thankful that you were able to do that. Because if you hadn't been able to do that, back to the question that you were asked by uh, our friend at the Institute Retreat Week, mm-hmm. wait a minute, how can you be leading an Institute Retreat Week just a couple of weeks after your, a couple of days after your mom's memorial service? And it's like, well, she's not seeing all this inner work mm-hmm. that you've been doing and the increased uh, boundaries and self-differentiation and self-care that's been integrated with caring for your mom. You didn't like just put yourself totally on hold for those two weeks that were so in, intensive or the, or the two years of, yeah. of the journey of your yeah. mom's cancer. Yeah, there were two years of making incredible sacrifices to be present to mom, to help mom, um, that were very stressful and very difficult, and yet were also a gift. Mm. 
And I think the realization of being able to be differentiated and have those healthy boundaries, being having a good support system where my I was not carrying this on my own, my sisters, hiring a caregiver, our, our niece and nephew for a period of time carried it. Um, uh, other friends of my mom who I could, who would offer to help and I could ask to help, who would enter in and give, give us a break. Um, all of that and recognizing I needed that. See, there's this part of me that wanted to be heroic and think I didn't need any of that. Mm. Oh, I've got this. This is my mom. Right. I had good intentions that I would be enough for her or that I could do this or I felt responsible for her. I didn't want to put that responsibility on anybody else. I didn't want to burden them. I didn't want to need them because that feels vulnerable. My mom would rather it be us girls, her daughters than anybody else. So she was resistant to that. Although she she did she did bless us in our ministry. She knew she didn't really want to take away our freedom. She didn't really want to inhibit our ministry. So that was a blessing she gave us. Um, but I could sense the tension within herself and understood selfishly that, yeah, she's more comfortable when it's her daughter's. But I think that it was helpful for me to be able to receive her blessing when she could say it towards blessing us to have to be with our family or to be to be on ministry and then when she couldn't and I felt guilty to be able to process that there were many times I'd process that with you I feel responsible I feel guilty mm-hmm. I feel bad I feel sad that I'm having like I feel like I'm abandoning her I would I would share those and process those emotions with you and as I would even hear myself talk through it it would help me to realize that oh look right there I don't have a boundary oh look right there there's a bit of a meshment I'm taking too much responsibility there Oh, look right there. That's a little codependent. Oh, look right there. That's that's where you're you're able to let go and trust God to provide through somebody else, and He is. So I would I would stay present to when I could be with her to be fully with her, and when I wasn't with her, I could still pray for her. I could still call and check in with my sister who was carrying her for at the time, or the caregiver. Um, there were still some things I could do, but I, I would have, I would move the boundaries. The boundaries could move. Sometimes there would be times where I didn't need to have many boundaries and my boundaries actually were with work or even with, with family. And then there were times when I, the boundaries had to be with mom. But, but it was a learning how big a boundary, how small a boundary, how breathable a boundary, how rigid a boundary, where the boundaries needed to be, that the boundaries could be moved. And that really helped. Yeah, and so all this you're you're illustrating self differentiation, which refers to uh, your ability to be your own um, separate, distinct person uh, with your values and limits and needs and schedule and so forth in the proximity of an intimate relationship, so that that relationship doesn't swallow you up mm-hmm. and the only way to breathe isn't to like just cut the person off right so boundary. or over a mesh and give cut everything else off to just be there for mom which would have been a temptation for me right and a lot of us sort of teeter-totter between those extremes of distance and enmeshment of getting over involved and cutting off and that's how we try to get it we don't realize we're doing it but that's how we try to get some sort of a balance. But what we're talking about in the way of self-differentiation, individuation is the opposite. It, it integrates and it's a healthy way of relating and loving another person that 
at the same time, you are receiving the love that you need from God mm-hmm. and from support people. Yeah, and I couldn't have done that alone. I needed your love. I needed your objectivity. I needed my spiritual director's love and objectivity to to say, seems like you need a boundary here or there, or mm-hmm. that's a good boundary, or um, or my sisters and their being able to also have boundaries and ask what they needed from me and me to be able to do that with them. And um, I think that it, it's a it's something we can't do on our own. Well, it's been such a beautiful thing, such an inspiring thing. Both your sisters are just the most loving people. Uh, and I so appreciate each of them and seeing the three of you uh, tag team, each with your differing gifts and um, uh, abilities and personalities to love your mom uh, and love each other. Because as many of you listening know, when a family member dies, it's, there's a lot of stress in that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there's uh, sad uh, conflicts, even like family divisions that occur around the stress of that loved one who died. And maybe the loved one sort of held certain family members together and that sort of a thing. And so it's been a beautiful thing to see the way the three of you have not only loved your mom well, but, but each other in that. Thank you. So these are some of the, you mentioned the, the gifts that come with grief and these are some of the gifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the, it's the memories. It's the, the deepened sense of self awareness. It's the, the, uh, the soul training for your own growth, including we've been especially talking about with, self-differentiation, individuation, self-identity, growing in that, and it's... uh, And even the gift with my mom of being able to bless her and give to her and have her receive from me, but also to receive blessing from her to go and lead an institute week and to do my work and to pray for me when she knew we'd be recording a podcast and and to know she'd listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. Well, I want to give a shout out to Vicki Paxton. So thankful for Vicki. She left a review for Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. She graduated from the Soul Shepherding Institute. I think the very first one that we did years ago, uh, uh, Vicki and uh, David, uh, probably listening. Thanks so much for you. We appreciate you. And uh, Vicki's a church leader, former pastor. And in her review on Amazon, she said, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith is an essential book for Christians who are working with the Enneagram. It's practical, encouraging, and wise. It also helps you stay in the easy yoke of Jesus as you cooperate with the Spirit's transformative work. Thank you so much, Vicki, and all of you who have gotten a copy of the book, shared it with friends, uh, left a review, uh, going deep in your own journey of discipleship to Jesus with us and using the Enneagram as a tool. And most of you know, in addition to the the main book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. We have a secondary self-published book called Your Enneagram Map, and we have a, a video course on Enneagram and Emotions, and we also have a free Enneagram and Emotions assessment uh, that helps you learn about which type you are, and you can find all this on soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram. And it really makes a difference if you share this podcast, if you give us a rating, even if it's just a star rating and you don't write words on uh, your podcast app and also on Amazon for the book review or wherever you buy your books, even a star rating is really helpful to helping other people trust 
and find us in search engines. So sharing, star ratings are ways you can help Soul Shepherding. Soul Shepherding receives the proceeds from all of the sales of everything that you hear Bill and I talk about because Soul Shepherding is a nonprofit 501c3 and we are dependent upon your generosity and your donations in order to continue to do the work that God's called us to. So thank you for your partnership in that. Lord God, just thank you for each of our listeners. Uh, We are so blessed, Christy and I, so thankful for them and their desire to love you better, to represent you and the people in their lives. And just pray for your uh, comfort and uh, nourishment for each one. Some are in their own journey of grief, uh, dealing with some hurt, loss in their life. Uh, All of us, Lord, are looking to... uh, grow uh, healthier in in our emotions and our relationships so that we can be more effective in our work and our ministry, our shepherding of other people. And so I just pray that you'd encourage each listener. We're so blessed to be in this conversation with them and to follow Jesus together. And so thank you. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 